Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Per usual, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor talking all things Major League Soccer, U.S. Soccer, and everything in between. Thanks again so much for listening. Um, a really awesome episode talking about some MLS transfers, some MLS news, and about a U.S. Soccer game that happened today. So really excited to talk about all that. But before we get into another fun episode of talking soccer here in the States, Canada, and all over the place, uh, it's been a week since we talked last. So Josh, how has the week been treating you since we talked last Thursday? It's been an interesting week. It's For me, at least personally, it's been pretty up and down. Some good moments here and there. Like I mentioned last week, teaching and playing soccer has been nice. Um, the Hawks, as we were discussing before this podcast and on last week's podcast, the Hawks are doing well. They've won, I think, seven straight now, and they've only lost once under current head coach Nate McMillan, so that's really cool, And which is really good because they're about to go on this eight-game road trip on the West Coast, and they're playing, like, all the best Western Conference teams. So they're definitely not going to do well on this road trip, I don't think. So it's good that they got these wins before then. But, so, you know, some... That's so tough. Imagine have to play, only play eight games on the road as opposed to your entire season. I mean, without any fans in attendance... They may as well, like, okay, they're not around their families. Whatever. All right, you get right. to live in your own home. Okay, okay, yeah, whatever. Toronto, tough situation. I'm sorry. Sorry the government is rightly so, so strict. But Oh, by the way, thanks for the vaccines. Uh, we yeah, appreciate that. I, I love the jokes that everybody's making about that. It's like loan deals, like, oh, is there an option to buy on these vaccines? Like, really, really good soccer jokes from soccer Twitter today about the U.S. loaning a million and a half vaccines to Canada. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, the biggest news I think of the week was the hate crimes that took place here in Georgia. Um, and, you know, obviously pretty local for Drew and I, but it hit home a little hard for me because the shooter graduated from the high school that is two minutes up the road from me. So it was, and some of the... Some of the shootings actually occurred in the county I live in right now. So a day like yesterday, we're recording this on Thursday, a day like Wednesday, which is when I think the shootings really sort of set in because it happened on Tuesday afternoon, I believe, Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday evening. It's kind of a rough day yesterday, very, very up and down. Um, so that, that part of it was definitely rough, and it's just rough seeing how close it's hit to home. And obviously, 
this is an event that we're feeling the effects of a year after coronavirus hit the U.S. And this is something that's sort of been simmering under the surface. So really disappointing. Also disappointing, but nowhere near as serious. Spurs just train wreck today. That was like another a kick in the gut. Um, so definitely ups and downs this week. But Connor, how was your week since we last talked? Decent, decent. Uh, still busy as always, but on the back of that shooting and stuff and everything that happened there, it is important to highlight like the Asian community and people of Asian descent have been treated unbelievably poorly over the last year, and it's sort of been increasing as time's gone on. And yeah, we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about the racism that other people like other minorities face. And we need to do that more because it is a serious issue and not only in the U S but also in Canada and in Britain and everywhere else, because for some reason people can't treat each other with respect and respect other human beings, but that's another issue. So the underlying statement in that is stop Asian hate and treat everybody with respect. But Drew, uh, hopefully you're doing better than my Raptors who are on a six or seven game losing streak and blew a game against the Detroit uh, team last night, which, you know, we won't talk about Dillon Wright almost putting up a triple-double on us, but how are you doing? I am hanging in there. Uh, this week was really fast for me. I don't know if it was for you guys, but like Josh mentioned, the shooting kind of put the fast week on hold for a second there. Um, I am not as close to that as Josh is. I'm in half, like an hour and a half away from Atlanta. But still, you see Atlanta, and it hits a little close to home. So that kind of put a pause on the week. But it's been going by really fast. Uh, spring football started here in Athens, which pretty much getting ready for college football. I've been doing stuff with that. Has the Georgia Bulldogs look look to win a national championship? If they do or not, I don't know. But they're they're going for it, and everyone's excited. March Madness started today those first four play-in games. I don't know if you guys watched them. I imagine you guys have your brackets filled out. So that's exciting. I'm very excited for March Madness. Uh, I picked Baylor to win it all, so we'll see what happens. Last time I picked a one seed to win it all, I picked Virginia, and they lost in the first round. The first time a 16 (laughs) beats a one is the only time I've ever picked a one seed. So that started today. That's exciting. Women's basketball tournament starts Monday, which is really exciting for Georgia because they are a three seed. And three seeds, it's not crazy to think they'll win it all. They've never won it all before. So it's an exciting time here in Athens between spring football starting, the women's basketball team trying to make a run, and baseball and softball is going on. So Athens is a busy place with sports right now. Um, so it is a lot of fun. We're about halfway, a little over halfway through the semester. So we're almost there, Connor. What are you guys in, by the way? Because we end like early May. So are you guys like on a totally different schedule oh. than us? Uh, we, our classes end the week of april 12th or something like that that's our last week uh something like that and then our exams finish i think a late april to early may and then i'm doing a spring summer course uh from may to june so i'm doing that once we finish to only have to take four courses in fourth year because we're almost graduating or at least i am uh which terrifying to think of but when you so you ended may when did you start that's a great question mid-january mid-january we'll leave early may 
is that like exams and everything included? Yes. So I don't have a whole oh, lot of exams, okay. but when like I say we're done that May, like we're done, done. And then we start the summer. We'll okay. Then off. it's the same thing for me. It's the same thing for me. Uh, we're also early May uh, to late April. I think my, I have an exam on the 29th. I'm not sure what my other one is yet. Uh, so I go right up to the end, which is yay. Uh, but Josh, you get to skip out on all of this fun stuff, which I'm sure you don't. I think he's playing chess. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to catch up on some soccer news, actually, as things are always constantly breaking. Is this the Celtic or Rangers stuff? Not Celtic, Rangers? No. Well, you have oh. my curiosity. Uh, let me... Dwayne Rollins tweeted this. Uh, it's the only reason I saw this. Uh, apparently, somebody was racist on the Prague team to one of the Rangers players at the end of the game. Uh, I haven't read the article, so I don't know no- enough about it. But uh, based on what he said in terms of Dwayne, uh, if this is proven, Prague should be removed from the competition. It is the only way to stamp this crap out. Individual sanctions don't stop it. So we will see what comes of that. But let's dive into some North Americans abroad because they were very, 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 very busy on the international tournament front, I guess, uh, in terms of European tournaments. Uh, But why don't we start with somebody who wasn't in... Actually, let's start with that. Um, Something positive because we started off on a little bit of a negative, depressing tone. And Christian Pulisic getting an assist for Chelsea in their 2-0 win over Atletico Atletico Madrid uh, in Champions League. Did you guys catch that game? Because I did not. I did get to catch it, and it was a fun way because in the BCL season is getting ready to go. They're playing preseason games. They're playing a bunch of universities here in the United States. And I was going, you have to get Paramount Plus, which I think was CVS All Access. I think it's the same thing, different name. So I renewed my thing for that to watch the NWCL Challenge Cup because that is getting ready and that's exciting. And I did not know with that comes Champions League. So I got it for NWSL and like the homepage, the first thing you see is watch Chelsea Atletico today. So that's what I did. And I did get to see Pulisic's assist. He was not a starter. He came on around the 75th minute. Um, Atletico kind of just had to throw the kitchen sink at him. Pulisic on a counterattack, really good ball. I forgot who scored it, but... Solid see him coming on at all because it kind of feels like we don't get to see him starting any. But he came on, made an impact, sent Chelsea through the round of quarterfinals. So eight teams left in Champions League. I don't know who they play because they do a draw, I think. So we will see who Chelsea gets next round. Josh, did you get to see any of any Champions League action or see Pulisic's assist this weekend? Yes. I pretty much had the same day as you, actually, because I, I had CBS. Well, okay, my parents have... CBS All Access, and they've had it for a while now. So, like last summer with the Challenge Cup, that's how I watched it. And then with the addition of Champions League and Europa League, it was nice to to have access to it. So yeah, I watched yesterday. I try to watch those games when I can, since I'm lucky enough to to have access to the subscription service. But I did watch the Atletico Chelsea game because the only other option was Bayern against. Uh, Lazio. Thank you. It didn't matter because Bayern was already up like 3 nothing, 4 nothing. I think, I think it was nothing. only 2 nothing. Maybe sure it, was, it wasn't worse than that? It might have been worse than that. I can't remember. Either way, definitely the Chelsea-Atletico game was going to be more interesting. It really wasn't because neither team wants to play with the ball 
So it wasn't actually that interesting, but I did get to catch simplistic assists, so that was nice. I, I more more fun for me is that I watched the game with a friend, so that made it more enjoyable than just if I had been watching on my own. But I did catch that that game, and it's good to see Pulisic and assist. Personally, I don't know how to feel about him being reduced to a substitute role right now because. On one hand, Tuchel knows him, and so I understand why he's not playing him that much, and also the team has been playing extremely well, so what's the point of messing with that by putting Pulisic in more and forcing that? On the other hand, as an American fan, you know, you worry about Pulisic not playing that much, but then, again, that kind of leads into another plus in that if he's not playing all the time, he's not getting injured, and he'll be fresh for the U.S., which we'll touch on that in a little bit because... They've released some rosters. They've got some friendlies coming up in the next couple weeks. But some other notable North Americans abroad um, over this past week. Jordan Sabachu got an assist for Old Boys. And we've been talking about him a lot the last few weeks with the numerous goals he's scored. And we'll talk a little bit more about him and getting called up and not getting called up for the U.S. men's national team friendlies. Uh, Brandon Cervania, who we talked about last week, who made his debut with St. Poulton in the Austrian Super League. Or Bundesliga? Austrian Bundesliga. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yep. He made his first start for them this week, so good for him. Off the back of his first appearance, now gets the start. Seems like he's starting to get more involved in their plans. Brian Reynolds finally made his debut for Roma. I think it's been it's been a couple weeks now. Well, I guess so, about a month since they finalized his transfers. Man, February flew by fast, and now we're almost done with March because St. Patrick's Day was yesterday. Um yeah, so he finally made his debut, 30 minute substitute appearance, so good for him. But definitely the biggest North Americans abroad news of the week was Daryl DK, who, first of all, Orlando City reportedly turned down a $10 million plus bid from a big six club in Premier League. That's Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United, and Liverpool. One of those clubs, apparently. And he then scored a brace on Wednesday and another win for Barnsley. Did either of you see that game or DK's goals? All right. I saw, I think I saw his goals. Uh, one of them was a header, I believe. Yeah. He dunked on and, three dudes. Yeah. Um, and the other one was, I think kind of a tap in. I vaguely remember. He like slid. It was like a sliding tap in, right? If I'm remembering yeah. right. Calling it a tap-in is simplifying, I think, a little too much. It was, a, it was like a cross-whipped in, and he like kind of slid, kind of jumped forward on it, and it ended up like rocketing into the, into the net, kind of into the corner. So it, it, in my opinion, it was an impressive goal. But I want your guys' opinion on Orlando City reportedly turning down this $10 million bid. So just to recap, DK has scored now five goals and I think seven appearances for Barnsley. In the meantime, they've won seven of eight games and they drew in the other one. So they have not even lost a game since DK joined. That's mostly coincidence, but he's definitely contributing, obviously, in a big way. Do you think it was dumb? I'll ask, I'll ask Connor first, but do you think it was dumb for Orlando City to turn down the bid or do you think they can get more money out of this? He can get so much more money out of this. 10 million bucks isn't even that much money at this point in terms of transfers when you really think about it. Like DK is definitely worth, has shown based on this very, 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 very small sample size, he is worth more than $10 million. I don't think that's debatable when you put up five goals in seven games or whatever it is. 
in the championship, which is the second tier of England, which is highly regarded as probably the second best second league or the best second league on the planet. That's pretty impressive. And he's helping out a team that's getting close, I think, to at least the playoff in terms of getting into Premier League. Since he's joined, they've fought their way up into that top six for the promotional playoff, and they've pretty much stayed there, obviously, since they've been winning so much. Drew, what do you think about the $10 million deal? Do you think it was dumb for Orlando to reject it? Now, I'm not talking about whether or not DK is worth the $10 million because I think at this point he's proven that he's definitely worth more. I'm just really asking is if it's dumb that Orlando City turned such a great deal down. I don't think so. I think the fact that he's only 20 and... The report I think you're talking about only mentioned one Big Six team, I think, was like the main one that they're just not saying multiple Big Six teams. But I think I saw a tweet from MLS Buzz that was really good about this, that it's hard to imagine just one Big Six team going after this guy. Like, I think multiple clubs have their eye on him, given how much he's dominated in the championship. So I don't think we're anywhere near done with this saga of DK getting the Premier League. And I think $10 million was just a starting point. I think that price tag will go up. Again, there is risk to that because obviously you don't want this to happen, but like if the guy gets hurt or something like that or runs out of form, then it's kind of like deal or no deal, right? Like you should have taken the offer when it's given to you. But I think they're a solid, they have a solid basis to their argument to say, no, we want more. So I, I find it hard to believe that this is not going to start a bidding war that it's not like one big six club, like it's the only team that knows about this guy. I imagine if one big six team is looking at him, then so are the other five. And so are other teams in the Premier League. Um, so I don't think they were dumb. I think he's so young. He scores goals. That's the biggest moneymaker in the game. And I think 10 million is going to be the starting price. And this is going to be a very long saga figuring out where DK is going to end up. So I don't think it was dumb, no. Which big six team do you guys think it was, though? Definitely not Spurs because they suck. They're not, They're not even big six, buddy. Let's be real. Oh, okay, hold on a second. You know what? <laughs> to be fair, I would, as a Spurs fan at this freaking point, I would put Leicester as a big six club. I mean, they have won a title, and Spurs haven't won a trophy in like 10 years or something like that. But, okay, I would definitely rule out Spurs. So you can say it's like a big five club. All right. What, who do you think it was, though? Personally, I hope it's Man City, like as an American, because I feel like he would do really well in their system if that ever came to be. Why, why are you shaking your head? Because does, does it sound no. ridiculous that Man City yes. bid on him? Okay, yes. I think it would sound equally ridiculous if I said Liverpool bid on him or Man United bid on him or Chelsea bid on him. Uh, I would beg to differ on the Man United one. What? Nah, I don't think. Here's my thing I don't think Man United are smart enough to go after him fair same with Spurs so personally I would rule out Man U and Spurs because I I don't trust either of those clubs because they're just stupid I wouldn't trust Chelsea either and I don't think he would fit Liverpool's system so that leaves what City and uh who am I forgetting Arsenal Arsenal oh you know what I could see Arsenal Ooh, I could see Arsenal going for him and you know what I actually think he would do well for them because uh I I don't personally I don't really follow Arsenal that much, but my friend, he's a huge Arsenal fan, has been for a long time, and he does not like Lacazette or Aubameyang. So I think if I were to say, hey, this Daryl DK guy might be going to Arsenal, I think he might be like, ooh, 
that's probably a smart move. So, you know what? I could see it being Arsenal for sure. You want to grow that argument for Arsenal? I'm pretty sure Lacazette is out of contract this summer. There you go. And, and you know what? Arsenal was really stupid for signing Aubameyang to such a huge contract. They made him the highest paid player alongside Ozil, and they got rid of Ozil. So I could definitely see them get, getting rid of Abba. I would what? like... Wait, what you I could see. I could see them getting rid of Abba. No. no way. Yeah. No way. No Dude, he, way. I, I don't... I don't know that Arteta was the one who wanted him signed for that much money. I think that might have been the boardroom making that decision for him. I don't know. I, I think that, whatever, this is a whole other conversation we have to talk about. But yes. Drew, who do, you, do you think it's Arsenal? Do you think it was somebody else? I, you make a good point for Arsenal. I really hope it's Manchester City because that would be hilarious for him to be in the City Football Network and somehow end up at NYCFC playing a game, like coming back from fitness. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Arsenal makes sense. That's all I got. And honestly, is Arsenal a big six team? I don't think so. They're like 10th right now. In the they Premier did League. just win the FA Cup, to be fair. They have won more trophies recently than Chelsea, than Spurs, than Manchester United, to be fair to them. Can we give West Ham some credit? Holy cow, they're like fifth. How? They win games? Hey, speaking of, there is a bit of a North American connection there. Mikel Antonio has decided to represent Jamaica. So that's a huge deal. Like, it's really cool that he's going to be representing Jamaica. I think, was England his other option? Yes, it was England. So really cool. I mean, someone pointed out that this just makes CONCACAF, and more specifically the Caribbean, that much stronger, which is obviously super exciting from a U.S. standpoint because as the um, confederation grows, that just becomes a bigger deal. MLS grows, all these domestic leagues and international teams grow, so really good. Uh, back to the DK thing for a second, though. I, I Drew brought up what I was going to bring up in that there's an inherent risk, I think, in turning down such a big deal. And is $10 million low for DK right now? Probably. However, they didn't pay anything for him. They got him in a draft. So you're turning a $10 million minimum profit at this point, they're looking like geniuses because he scored two goals after the news broke that they turned down that bid. So they look like they're playing 3D chess and everybody else is just playing checkers. But I do think there's inherent risk. And someone was, you know, they brought up that his older brother dealt with a lot of injury in his time in MLS. And that hasn't been an issue for DK, but you never know. He's only 20. Things could happen. Hopefully he stays healthy for the U.S. soccer side of things for his sake. And it would just be really cool to have another MLS import be successful overseas. Speaking of the U.S. men's national team, very, very active week this week. Uh, I think we'll start with the Olympic qualifying, which started today. Just a couple hours ago, the U.S. played its first game against the Costa Rica U23 side. Canada plays tomorrow. They'll also play Monday before we record again next week. And the U.S., has the Dominican Republic on Sunday, and then Mexico on Wednesday. So we'll definitely be talking about those games next week's episode. But the U.S. did win 1-0 today. I don't think any of the three of us ended up watching it. Connor, were you watching it? Okay, yes. so Connor, you got to see it. So I'll go yes, to you the first Canadian, about it. The Canadian of the two, Amer- uh, the three North Americans, that two of which are Americans, Hold watched on. it. <laughs> I was working or else I totally would have watched it. I'm definitely going to watch the game on Sunday unless it's... 
at a time that I'm busy, which now that I'm thinking might be the case. But Connor, <laughs> ironically enough, as the the only non-American person on this podcast, tell us about the U.S. Olympic qualifying game today. The U.S. are unbelievably beatable. They have a bunch of issues in that team, uh, mainly stemming from their back line. Uh, Costa Rica looked really, really good, too. Uh, kind of. They were decent. Uh, it was very obviously a U23 game. There were a lot of mistakes. Uh, very CONCACAF in terms of the fact that uh, lots of people went down quite easily, and there were also some pretty brutal tackles, uh, although not quite as brutal as what happened in the Rangers game today, which if you haven't seen that, uh, you should watch it because a player kicked the keeper in the face. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of the U.S., it was interesting. Um, I think it it should make you guys worried, honestly. They didn't look very good, if I'm being completely honest. Like I expected them to look a lot better, and I expected them to handle Costa Rica in a much better way, and they just didn't. Like if they're, I can't remember who was their keeper. Um, uh, what was his name? Uh, For the U.S. Ochoa. Yeah, David I, Ochoa. Ironically, for some reason, there's always got to be one Ochoa who's a good goalkeeper uh, in the North America. Uh, he, if they didn't have him, they would have been in trouble um, because he made some pretty decent stops and prevented a few goals. Uh, even though one technically ended up in the back of the net, but it was ruled offside because he was five yards offside. Uh, but what did you guys think about the game? If you saw highlights or based on your reactions, you saw on Twitter. I saw a lot of varied reactions to the game. Lots of varied reactions. There were some people who were in panic crisis mode about <laughs> how this team, like you were saying, looked super beatable. I think everyone was agreeing that there were tons of self-inflicted mistakes from the U.S. At the end of the day, though, they won. That is clearly the most important part of this. I was kind of thinking about this on my way home from work, but if the U.S. was going to win this tournament or the Olympics or, God forbid, a World Cup, and they did it with some of the sloppiest, ugliest soccer, and they won every single game 1-0, I don't think I would care because holy crap, we'd be winning a World Cup or the Olympics, you know, whatever the case may be. However, I'm sure that watching it would be super stressful and I would be hanging on tight <laughs> the entire time, to put it lightly. Uh, so it's very worrisome, I think, that they were struggling today. But also, I think it's important to put in the perspective that these are young kids, and as talented as the U.S.'s U23 squad is right now, one, it's not the A squad. Two, it's mostly MLS guys who haven't actually been playing since the fall, and a large chunk of these players aren't even first-team regular starters for their respective MLS clubs anyway, so there's already some inherent risk in that to begin with. So hopefully this game was sort of a wake-up call for them. They can gain some confidence and at the least win against the Dominican Republic, put themselves in a good position to make the semis. So that's kind of where I'm at. Glad to get the win. Definitely a little nervous. Hopefully Sunday goes better. Drew, what could you gather from not being able to watch the match? Yeah, same boat as you. I went to Twitter and I that didn't help at all because some tweets were, <laughs> oh gosh, the world's on fire. And some tweets were, hey, the United States won a game. Um, but watching highlights, yeah, there was a lot of self-inflicted wounds, some just bad, some bad finishing too. I think 
Jesus Ferrer, who eventually got the only goal, he had a chance like early on. He pressed up high, high up the field, won the ball one on one with the keeper and hit the post. Um, so those are chances that you would like to see get converted. Um, and it looked like Costa Rica was going to make them pay for that, make them pay for not putting away their chances, but they didn't. And like Connor said, Ochoa was a big part of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like Josh said, this has been, I saw a tweet from Stars and Stripe FC. I think it's the U.S. Soccer SB Nation website. And they said this is like the first competitive youth match in 400 and something ridiculous days, something like that. And to see them play badly, yes, but get the win. And this is a turn. I don't care. Like Josh said, I don't care how you win at this point. This isn't a friendly that you're trying to see, oh, how are the players dealing together? At the end of the day, you just want three points and you want to make the Olympics. So it was a big win, big three points. If you're, you're trying to make the final, which I think we figured out, if you make the final, you qualify. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just banking. Like Mexico is going to demolish this team. Like looking at the Mexico roster, that's going to be bad. I'm just buying in that Mexico's, Josh is nodding his head no. So I want to see what he says about that. But the Mexico roster looks stacked. So I'm just buying in that Mexico is going to win the whole thing. So I am banking a hundred percent on the U S getting to the final, making the Olympics and then getting thrashed by Mexico. But I'm not worrying about it as not that much. It's the first time these guys have played in a while. It was sloppy. Maybe some first game jitters. I don't know. Again, these guys, it's like, these guys are literally our age. They're younger than John. So they're learning, they're living. And I, it's been a while. since they played, I'm not worrying about it. (laughs) Uh, Sunday, Sunday's a big, I feel like that was a must win game given that I'm just banking on getting demolished by Mexico. But Josh, why do you think that Mexico will not just demolish every team in this tournament? I don't think Mexico's done a great job in recent years of developing their younger talent. Um, I don't, I can't truthfully point to anything to back that up at this current moment, but it's just the vibe I've gotten. I, Maybe it's because the U.S. has sort of had this sudden crop up in really young talent, whether it's all these teenagers over in Europe or it's these really talented young players that are finally playing a lot in MLS. I don't know if that's hogging you know, the spotlight right now, and that's why we're not hearing anything about you know, Mexico's youth setup. But I also think there's kind of a reason why we're not hearing anything about Mexico's youth setup because, well, you know, maybe part of it is – Maybe those guys are getting lots of minutes in Liga MX, but they're not really overseas. There's obviously not a lot of Mexican youth players here stateside that are playing in MLS. So maybe that's why I don't hear anything about it. But that's kind of what I'm basing it on is I just don't really feel that strongly about it. Speaking of Mexico, this isn't a thing, but they just beat the Dominican Republic 4-1. to And Sebastian Cordova scored a hat trick. So they're off and running well. In fairness, though, that is the Dominican Republic. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And so they the allowed a goal against the Dominican Republic. Like, come on. If we're they being also realistic. scored four. It's a weird team. It's confusing. So the U.S. shouldn't have any trouble with this team, right? But also, Mexico did just put four by them. And Mexico might be dealing... I don't know how long it's been since the Mexican U23 team played together either. Now, one thing that they have going for them is depending on how many of these players play with their uh, their clubs, they are if most of them are with Liga MX teams, then they are in season, and therefore, you know, they're going to be a lot more fit than these little MLS kids that haven't played in months 
And as you said, the U23 teams haven't been together. So I'm looking at the U23 roster right now um, on Transfer Market, and I do recognize a couple players. I don't know. Maybe they will end up smashing the U.S. Hopefully it doesn't matter at that point because we've beaten the Dominican Republic and we're pretty much guaranteed a spot in the semis. Maybe worst-case scenarios, we have to fight for a draw, which I, I could see happening with the U.S. I feel like the kids are strong and feisty enough to to handle something like that but that's the biggest news for the u23 squad other really huge news this week Eunice musa committed to the u.s over england ghana and italy the biggest part of that being england because he played in england's youth setup a few times he did join the u.s back in i guess it was september or november i can't remember which month it was but it was back in the fall for the friendlies against wales and i want to say Panama? I can't remember the other team. To yeah, be honest Panama. With you. Panama. So he got a nice run with the U.S. back in the fall, especially with Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams in that midfield. The three of them gelled together very well. So he finally committed to the U.S. Huge deal. I think if this kind of commitment had happened five years ago, maybe even three years ago, we'd be freaking out over it a lot more than we are now. But regardless, still a huge deal. Drew, as the other American here, how do you feel about Musa committing to the U.S.? Yeah, it was awesome. I think I don't know the exact reporter who tweeted out, but because it feels like a lot of these players that are committing to play with the United States, specifically like Serginho Des, Eunice Musa had other options, right? Like Serginho Des possibly going and playing for the Netherlands. Um First off, everybody's like freaking out over Greg Berhalter's like the greatest recruiter in the history of America. So that's always funny seeing him. Get out of here, Nick Saban. Yeah, seeing He's Greg Berhalter in the U.S. Seeing Greg Berhalter compared to Nick Saban is not something I saw <laughs> coming when he was hired. But I'm here for it all. <laughs> um, but someone was talking about Moose's recruitment and that it felt like comparing his recruitment to Sergio Dest's recruitment, and it felt like Sergio Dest just really wasn't wanted by the Netherlands, but. England wanted Eunice Musa. This is a full-on, England wanted this guy, the United States wanted this guy, and he chose the United States for whatever reason, playing time for all the system. I don't know. And it feels like, again, we're judging this based on social media, but it feels like Musa just really likes playing with these guys. I think there's this whole young core changing the face of American soccer, and he wants to be a part of that. So it's awesome. Really excited about it. We beat the Ghanaians again after it beat us... All those times, I think like twice, I don't even know, in the World Cup all those times, finally got another dub over him. So I'm excited about it. Um, I think we were on the podcast recording when news broke that he was on the roster. So it's full circle now. We're back on the podcast talking that he is committed to the United States. Really excited about it. That video got me fired up. And yeah, I think you bring up a good point where it feels like this isn't that big of a deal, given that this is just another piece of this big puzzle. So I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, not a whole lot to think about it. Connor, what do you think about Musa coming to the States? Huge. It's the equivalent of what would have happened if Tamori had chosen Canada over England. Um, Wait, which, he could have been on Canada's team? He could have no been. No way. Yeah. Oh, um, man. And I guess technically you could still make the t- one-time switch. Okay, I was going to say, is it too late? But I, I'm not sure, actually. I can't he's remember. my best center back in my career mode, so yes, <laughs> he's a little been, soft spot for Tamori. Been doing very, very well in Milan. Uh, he was eligible for Canada, so maybe in the future, uh, because we could use some central defenders. Um, and I think he's probably a little bit far down on the English depth chart, but 
Who knows? Maybe we get lucky like Jamaica with Mikel Antonio, where they're now going to have an attack of Antonio and Bailey. So that'll be fun to deal with. But I did want to ask you guys, this isn't on our notes, but did you see the Sebastian Soto interview with ESPN? That's the one with no. Taylor Twelman. I didn't yes. see it, but I saw the tweet. I have not watched it. You didn't see the, so you haven't seen the clip. I've seen no. funny things about it. People are saying it's funny or cool, but I've it not watched it. It is hysterical because I think it's, it is Sergino Dest apparently before every match eats one baguette. That's it. It's like that's his pregame meal? Yes, a baguette. Really? Yes. It's kind of weird. It's very weird and absolutely hysterical because he won't get anything else. And when they asked, uh, <laughs> when Soto and the guys who were with him asked him, why do you just eat a baguette? He said, you got a carb load and then walked away. That's um, it? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like so, that's not enough. No, it probably isn't. Uh, but go and watch that interview because it's great. Uh, that just portion. I think Taylor Twelman tweeted it out. Um, but Sebastian Soto seems like such a cool guy. And that team sounds like they've really, really gelled. Uh, but we should talk more about that team because they did announce their roster. What do you guys think of it? So a little bit of background on the roster. The the biggest, I think, omissions from the roster, no Matthew Hopp, no Jordan Sabachu. Uh, excuse me. Matthew Not Hoppapa. Matthew Hoppapa. Thank no, Matthew you. Matthew Hoppapa. Uh, no Jordan Sabachu, who, like we've been talking about, is on fire. No Weston McKinney. Now, there are explanations for this. Matthew Hopp, sorry, Matthew Hoppapa, and Jordan Sabachu would probably not have played in the first game. So, th- first of all, there's a handful of players that are only going to be available for the first game against Jamaica. Then they're going to return to their club. Players like Chris Richards, um, Josh Sargent. To just to name a few, there's there's a couple others as well, but that that would have been the same deal for Hop and Sabachu. So they Come wouldn't on. have gotten. <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna do it every single time. Yes, uh, this, is, <laughs> this is our new podcast thing. It's Breck Shea and Matthew Hoppapa. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so those those guys were not going to probably feature in the first game because of Josh Sargent and the other striker that was going to leave is. Escaping my mind. Oh, Gio Reyna was another player that was going to have to leave early. And I want to say there was another one as well. Tim Weah. There you go. So Tim Weah as well. So those are, they just weren't going to see the field. So it makes sense that they were left off this time. Although there's definitely, I think, going to be a, a, a time down the road where they were called up. And then Weston McKinney has been dealing with a little bit of a hip injury. So he's just going to take this time to rest up. Hopefully he'll back to, to full fitness. So those are the big omissions. Some of the bigger additions would be Luca De La Torre, who is 22-year-old. He plays for Heracles in the Netherlands. He does already have a U.S. cap to his name. Um, however, he's just not a, a regular fixture with this squad, and he hasn't really played for the national teams in a while. I think he used to play in the youth setup a bit. Christian Pulisic was named to the roster. Big deal because he's finally healthy, and this will be the closest thing we've seen to him playing with like a full-squad U.S. national team in like ever. So that's, you want to you name the last time it happened? That was not a full, that was not a, a first string team, so I'm not even going to go there. And uh, then, okay, okay. And I'm not bringing that up. Uh, Eric Palmer <laughs> Brown. 
Eric it was Palmer the game Brown. against Canada for anyone who doesn't yeah, know. Yeah, whatever. That game, <laughs> that game might as well not even exist. Um, <laughs> for the U.S. at least. We like to be really revisionist in our U.S. education system anyway, so we might as well just erase that and pretend <laughs> it never happened. Um, <laughs> so Eric Palmer Brown is another big addition to the squad. Do either of you know who he is, by the way? Nope. Okay, so this is where my age shows a little bit, I think. Um, <laughs> I remember him from like a few years ago. He used to play for Sporting Kansas City, actually. And then he got a move to Europe. I can't remember which club he got to. And I don't know if he's on loan right now, but he plays for Austria Vienne. And I guess that's the Austrian. Oh, it's the Austrian Bundesliga. He's one of the other players currently playing in Austria. Um, I don't know if he's on loan. I didn't follow up with that, but he's been in Europe for a couple years now, but he just hasn't been called up to anything really. So it's cool to see him back in the mix. Sounds like the, the, the coaching staff is rewarding him for some strong play. And then I think some notable MLS players joining Kellen Acosta, Sebastian Lechette, Aaron Long, um, because those guys are in preseason right now. So the fact that they were let go by their clubs, I think is significant in this case. Personally, I am super excited for this roster. I am excited to see, Polisic with a strong team. I'm excited to see Daryl DK with a strong team, especially with how on fire he is right now. I'm excited for Tim Weah to finally be healthy with the U.S. national team, and he's been playing well for Lille. So I have a feeling that we might get a good performance from him, and I am really, really looking forward to that. Those are kind of the biggest ones for me personally. I also hope we see Chris Richards playing with the team. He's been doing so well for Hoffenheim. And I am going to keep my fingers crossed that we get a John Brooks-Chris Richards partnership in the game against Jamaica because both of them have to leave after the game. And also, that is, in my opinion, the center-back pairing of the future. So if we get to see them together, I would just be on the floor super excited. Drew, how are you feeling about the U.S.'s roster going into these friendlies? Yeah, I'm super excited about it, specifically because when you talked about the players that are going to have to leave after that March 25th match against Jamaica, I mean, it makes sense in my head that if they have to leave after that match, that's a pretty good sign they're going to get playing time against Jamaica. And there's a lot of really good players that are going to have to leave after that Jamaica match. Tim Weah, Giorena, Tyler Adams, uh, John Brooks, Reggie Cannon. So Josh Sargent, I've talked about. So my head immediately takes me to that lineup against Jamaica is going to be really exciting. And it's going to be a lot of really exciting players that we've wanted to watch for a long time. So I'm excited about that. What I'm kind of frustrated about is I have no idea who's going to play right back position. Because yeah, Serginio Dest, Reggie Cannon, and Brian Reynolds. And I want to see all three of them play. But that can't happen. There's only 11 guys on the field. So that's frustrating. And none of them leave after the Jamaica match. So I want to see Brian Riddles because I don't think he has a cap. This might be his first time he's ever played. Uh, Sergio Des, we've seen him before. Reggie Cannon, we've seen him before. So I want to see Brian Riddles, but I also want to see Des and Cannon. So that's frustrating. But yeah, the main thing, obviously, Daryl DK, that's awesome. But I'm excited for this lineup against Jamaica because in my mind, it makes sense that if they have to leave after that match, I, I could see them just getting their match in and getting out of there. And I think given the amount and quality of the players that have to leave after the Jamaica match is really exciting. So I'm excited about that. And I'm kind of annoyed because who the heck's going to play right back. I want them all three to play. Um, so that's frustrating. Connor, are there any names on this roster that's standing out to you or any storylines you're following about this roster? 
Uh, yeah, since when was there a goalkeeper who was American that played for Leicester? Uh, and yeah, Chaturo Odunze. He yeah. is with their reserves most of the time, I think, which is why we've never really heard of him. He has been called into camp before, but obviously he's never gotten a cap. And I, you know what, now that you mention him, that's honestly really interesting. The fact that they've called him in again says that you know they might see something in him. But as far as I know, he's pretty young. Well, maybe he gets a start uh, and they give Zach Steffen a break or Ethan Horvath, who was also called in the camp. Um, yeah, it's a pretty solid roster, if we're being honest. He's 18, by the way, so that's why we've never really heard of him. And for a goalkeeper, wow. that's like a baby. <laughs> yeah, that is a literal child, um, which is two years younger than me. Uh, so, child. You're, you're a child as well, so... True. That is my sister's age, actually, which is crazy. Um, but other than that, I like the balance of experience and uh, no experience, <laughs> for being completely honest. There are a lot of guys with like one or two caps. Somehow, Chris Richards only has one cap for the U.S., uh, which blows me away. It's going to be fun to see a midfield that could potentially include Brandon Aronson and Tyler Adams uh, as two big American MLS exports uh maybe even sebastian legette you get all three you get two exports and a current mls player um but again solid lineup dk will be exciting i wonder if gioacchini will get in uh for a game tim wea will get in for a game josh Sargent, because all three of those guys are leaving and they all are strikers uh so i don't know how they'll make that work but it's a solid Solid, how many did they pick? 26? Uh, solid 26. So I can already tell you exactly how the midfield starting lineup is going to be and how the attacking starting lineup is going to be for this game against Jamaica. And you can go ahead and pencil in Zach Steffen as the starting keeper. But the left wing is going to be Polisic, Center striker is going to be Sargent. Right wing is going to be Tim Weah. And then the midfield is going to be Sebastian Lachette, Eunice Musa, and Tyler Adams. That would be my guess as to as to where that's going to be. As for the back line, total toss-up. Like Drew said, we have too many right backs, which is a great problem to have, but it's still a problem. And then, like I said, my dream center back pairing is John Brooks and Chris Richards, but I'm not entirely sure that's going to happen. I feel like Berhalter will maybe lean on someone a little more proven under him, like Aaron Long. We've seen Tim Ream play center back as well although I don't really like him very much <laughs> he's just so old at this point um, and he's not really playing that often from Fulham right now so that's kind of a thing as well but is there anything else you guys wanted to add to this uh, Canada is better than the US always and forever right okay so I should have said did anybody want to add anything meaningful to this <laughs> um, but <laughs> there's one thing I wanted to say obviously it's in it's in the doc here but um some other sort of big news is that Efren Alvarez, who is, I think he's 18, he's with LA Galaxy, I believe he's a homegrown signing for them, but he was invited into the U.S. camp back in, I guess it was January, and that was sort of a big deal because he has not committed to either Mexico or the U.S., and he didn't play with the U.S. for that reason, and he is with Mexico in this international window. Whether or not he plays, I don't think he's going to, but... Greg Berhalter actually encouraged Alvarez to participate in camp. Personally, I think that's really, really awesome because 
that gives me the impression that Burhalter and his staff really care about these players and they recognize and understand how big a decision this can be for their futures. So the fact that he's encouraging Alvarez to like really, really, truly explore all of his options is really cool to see. And you know what? With Burhalter's track record, if he doesn't get a player like Alvarez, not a big deal in the grand scheme of things with the way that he's recruited in other areas. Um, and just really, I think a, it's like this is a very healthy thing to see. So as an, as a, an American and someone who's a huge fan of the, the national team, it's really exciting to see stuff like that. Also, saw a joke about how Dabo Sweeney actually went to that friendly in Orlando to get recruiting tips from Greg Brawlhalter, not watch his godson Tanner Testman play. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Someone was sneaking those jokes in about the recruiting. But anyway, moving on to some MLS-specific news. Um, as usual, every week we get a, a pretty decent amount of transfers, signings going on. We've been talking about this one for a couple weeks, but it finally happened. It was finally announced. Luciano Costa has signed with FC Cincinnati, transferred from uh, Club Atlas in Liga MX. Cincinnati paid $530,000 in general allocation money to DC United. We covered this last week, but DC United had Acosta's MLS rights. So Cincinnati had to make the deal with DC to get his MLS rights, but they still had to pay a transfer fee to Atlas, I believe. I'm not really sure how that worked. Do you know the figure on that move, by the way, Connor? I missed that. Uh... I don't know the figure up the top of my head, but I want to say it might have been like four mil. Ooh, man. Okay, so Something that like means... That. It, it was a decent sum. Like, it wasn't nothing. That means that Cincinnati paid four and a half million dollars for Lucho Acosta, and he's a designated player on their roster. I've seen some varied opinions on this move, specifically with how much Cincinnati paid. Drew, do you think this is a good move for Cincinnati financially? Do you think they might have overpaid for him? Do you think it's worth having him as a designated player on the roster? What do you think about that? I, ooh, man. First off, can one of you guys see, they, are they like below the DP line? I was wrong. It's not four mil. It was three mil, according to Transfer Market. Still a lot. Yeah. Um, Drew, to answer your question, Brenner is a DP, Acosta is a DP. I, I'm pretty sure they bought down Alan Cruz, who was a DP. He's a midfielder for them. I believe he's a Costa Rican midfielder. Uh, they, I'm pretty sure they bought him down. His designated player designation wasn't that big to begin with. And then the only other DP would be Locadia, I think, or Kubo. And That's maybe the thing. Definitely- one of them, one of them has to not be one, right? Currently, they have four DPs on the roster. But if you remember, Atlanta's done this before to where they had too many DPs because I believe they announced PT Martinez's signing before Miguel Almiron's transfer back in 2019. So it's just a matter of getting this taken care of before the window closes or whatever. Rosters have to be finalized. I Brenner's a young player, correct? He's still a DP because of his salary, though, I think. Or because of the transfer fee they paid for him. I think he's listed as a designated player on Cincy's website. He is. So three. They only have three DPs. Who's the third? Uh, they got Wilkadia. Uh, they have. Where's the other one? Uh, Brenner, obviously. And then Acosta. And then Acosta. So okay, Kubo so and Wilkadia are Yaya. not DPs. Yeah, Yakubo. They must have bought down his DP designation. Wow, okay, did not know that. Um, but yes, about Acosta, I'm excited about it. Uh, the figure, uh, that can be debated, I think. But I'm excited about it. I think Cincinnati 
has made it clear that they wanted that number 10. They started with Pity Martinez. That didn't work again. I think that news broke while we were on the podcast as well. Yep. Hey, don't forget uh, about Papu Gomez. Papu yep. Gomez. They've been, man, they've been through a lot. A club that's been through a lot on tr- trying to sign one position player. Can't relate. Um, just kidding. I can't relate. We'll talk about that more with Atlanta later. But they made it clear they wanted their number 10. They finally got him. And Cincinnati needs it. They scored the least amount of goals last year. They scored 12. And I think the next lowest was somebody with 23. Yeah, really bad. So when you say somebody, were you just saying somebody because it was Atlanta? Or you were just saying somebody because you don't remember who it was? Because I don't remember who it was, but that's very possible. It could have been Atlanta United. So as I talk, I will pull up these standings right now. But yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, Cincinnati looks like they're trying right now. This transfer market's been pretty exciting for them. And again, we've talked about how it's kind of weird that they, yes, it was Atlanta United. Wow. So the only team, so Cincinnati scored 12 and the next lowest team in the league scored 23. So nearly double. Um, So yeah, Cincinnati needs to score goals. Hopefully Acosta can do that. Um, And also Cincinnati's GM made it clear that they're not done. This transfer window, I think he talked, I looked at Cincy Soccer Talk, like one of the best, if not the best source for Cincinnati Soccer News, highly recommend those guys. But they talked about how he's looking for a central defender and another winger. So it looks like Cincinnati is having a very busy offseason, but I'm excited about Acosta. Hopefully he can link up with Brenner, with Kubo, Lacadia, and make something happen in Cincinnati because they have a sick new stadium opening up. I want them to be so good. But they lost to Louisville City. 3 nothing, which is freaking hilarious. Since he fans you, freaked out, so that was awesome. Did you guys see that little light show video they posted tonight? No. I'm going to watch oh it right now. Oh my gosh, you should check it out. They have like digital lights around the outside of the stadium. It looks sick. It looks so cool. Something you, cool you happening in out. Cincinnati. I never thought I'd see the day. Hey, listen, I'm telling Between you Between them and Joe is, Burrow, that city's going to run the show soon. This is the high point of their season, by the way, because there's no way this is going to work out under drop Stom. I'm, I'm calling it right now. I still think Cincinnati's going to fail to make the playoffs this year. I still don't know uh, what Yapstam looks like. I'll never forget <laughs> that tweet. <laughs> um, uh, Connor, what do you think about Acosta being a DP and them signing, some, signing him for so much money? Risky. Could be worth it. Could not be. Uh, this is the same guy that was wanted by PSG, uh, who DC United turned down, what, a $10 million bid for it? Um, uh, as Drew shows us, <laughs> this him is watching sick. the light show. On it his is phone. really impressive, honestly. It's a really cool. Stadium. I wish I was driving by when this was happening. <laughs> hey, man, it's not that far from us. I I would definitely be down to catch a Cincinnati game. I have been. I I, I went. I went to a Cincinnati game. My brother lives in Louisville, which is like an hour and a half, and I watched Wayne Rooney score, and DC United yeah. tore him up. And it was the game right after the women won the World Cup, so they honored Rose Lavelle. Ooh, man, that it was a like great a really game, to go to. game to go to. So Cincinnati is really cool. And by the way, did you guys see Rose Lavelle's new New Balance cleats? Yes, I want some. So I don't, I don't play soccer, but I want those. I don't think I didn't check because I shouldn't buy cleats right now. I just shouldn't like from a financially responsible standpoint. But I wasn't even sure if they were in immense sizes. But anyway, Connor Acosta. Uh, That's all you want to say? Risky? Yeah, risky. It could work out. It could not. Um they desperately need anything they can get at this point. So hopefully it hits, uh, because if it doesn't, they're in a very tough position. Kind of like the Vancouver Whitecaps were at the end of last season, uh, which they signed right back Bruno Gaspar uh, from Liga Nos, I believe, 22. Um, he's 
Wait, no, he's not 22. Oh, nope, that is not the right That's player. their other signing, right. which we'll get to in a second. I he's 27. Still pretty young. We are very behind on the weight cap stuff. Didn't that break like two weeks ago? I, I wasn't, he wasn't officially signed until about a week ago. It says March 9th here. So huh. nine days ago, officially. The rumors were really strong leading up to that, so it was kind of in the news cycle. But I wanted to throw that in here because of their other signing they did make this week. Yes, yeah. they're making moves. They are making moves. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Gaspar. I think he's actually 27, um, which sounds correct. Uh, they also signed... Yeah. 20- I, I, I just said that. Did you? Yeah, oh. that's why it sounds correct. I honestly... You subconsciously heard it. <laughs> I didn't even hear that. Um, but they signed 22-year-old Chow. Uh, I assume is how it's pronounced. Maybe Cow, how you said you think it's pronounced, <laughs> which... Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I wasn't sure if it was like chow, like Italian, because, you know, Italian and Spanish, you've got chow. All right. Well, we're clearly very, very white. Um, next up, <laughs> Alexander, four million bucks, the second most expensive club transfer behind Cavallini, who apparently they might be able to buy down to like a TAM deal, I think, maybe. Ooh. That would be impressive. It, was, it might have been one of them or uh, Ali Adnan. They could potentially buy down as well to a non-DP slot. They better buy down Adnan. You're paying too much for a left back at that point. Don't, can we really Someone call him who's a left not, back? Yeah, exactly. He's not even really... Whatever. Uh, he's he's such an enigma. <laughs> he's a okay, he's a good player. He's a good player. Uh, he is, he just, but he's, he's wild. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't really fit what they need uh, him to be, although they do have Gutierrez. He, who's he is the, the definition of just vibes, no seriousness. Like, Ali Adnan <laughs> is just vibes, you know? Can you blame him? He's playing on a pretty terrible Vancouver team for most of his career. Hey, man, it's entertaining for us neutrals. It, it, well, two of us are neutrals. One of us aren't. <laughs> <laughs> Drew's I don't even very, know what to say to that. <laughs> Drew's very happy with me right now. Uh, but what do you guys think about the Whitecaps signings in a very, very busy offseason in terms of spending money? Because I think they've spent the most in North America. Yeah, just to backtrack for a second, but who saw FC Cincinnati signing, being the only club to sign multiple DPs in the offseason? Who saw that coming, right? Yeah. And besides Austin FC they're the only team to sign a designated player in the first place. And Austin FC's only signed one. And they're an expansion side, so it makes sense. But wild, wild. Speaking of wild, Vancouver and all these moves, I think it's awesome. I've spoken many times on this podcast specifically about how much I like Mark Dos Santos and feel that if he's given the players and he's given the chance, he can impress. His time is running out because it's been two seasons of just dreadfulness in Vancouver. However, with all these signings, I think it's super exciting. Hopefully, things turn around for Vancouver. Like I said, I want to see Dos Santos succeed, and I think that can start to happen now with these players. Drew, Vancouver Whitecaps fan here, how are you feeling about these moves? I uh, I mean, it's good that they're spending money, right? Uh, they were really bad last year, so it's good to see that the team is trying. Um, about Gaspar, I read an article on 86 Forever, Vancouver's SB Nation website. Awesome stuff. And they pretty much, the way they were describing him was that he's Ali Adnan, but he actually plays defense. He knows how to get forward. He's playing on the right. But hopefully he can actually track back and play defense, which would be really awesome if he can do that Adnan on the left. And maybe he can 
help Adnan actually learn how to be a left back. So that's really exciting. Um, I don't know much about this Chow guy, except the only thing, he is 22. So is it possible that he is a young money signing? Because I don't possible. think we've ever mentioned Vancouver with a young money signing yet. Well, to be fair, there I feel like not many teams have jumped on that yet. I, I It probably has something to do with the pandemic and the way the transfer market has been. And, you know, that also probably has something to do with only three designated players being signed in this window. So I wonder if that's a, a contributing factor. But also, I mean, I feel like there's a bunch of really thrifty owners who aren't willing to take advantage of this rule as well. I haven't seen anything about Alexandria being one of the young money signings. I hope he is, though, because it would be cool to see Vancouver taking advantage of it. So that would be really cool to see that. Um, the only thing I saw about him, he's a box-to-box type midfielder. And, yeah, excited about just spending a lot of money. I think you're in the dock. It's the second most expensive club transfer behind Cavallini. So excited to see them spending money. Hopefully he's a young money signing to see the Whitecaps take advantage of that. Um, Connor, have you already given your thoughts on your kind of rival Vancouver getting transfers? Is Vancouver a rival of Toronto? I don't understand. Vancouver is the weird third kid in all these rivalries. I hate it for him, man. Yeah, they're the third wheel like me on this podcast. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> no reaction at all um you're the vancouver whitecaps this podcast how does that make you feel yes i am uh as the only non-american i'm here to make up for all the things that you guys don't have in your arsenal in terms of covering the one of the biggest clubs in mls that everybody tends to ignore uh but uh in terms of the vancouver signings and our rivalry with them which doesn't really exist Look, they're spending money, and that's a good thing for Vancouver. You know, it's been a long time since they did that. Uh, I've seen a lot of people compare it to the Toronto FC of, like, 2013-14, that sort of range, where they spend a ton of money, but it doesn't fully work. Uh, But maybe it'll work with them. Uh, I think signing these young players is smart because you can potentially sell them on for even more. Uh, And, you know, Vancouver have the potential to be one of the biggest clubs in MLS. And I think having more clubs in Canada, it be good is a good thing for MLS because it gets more of this Canadian market, which is over 35 million people strong, uh, which people tend to forget that we are pretty big and we could potentially host other teams in other cities. Uh, possibly maybe that's probably a big stretch, but I think it's good for MLS. It's good for Vancouver. It's good for Canadian soccer. It's just good all around. Uh, what isn't so good is whatever the New York Red Bulls are currently trying to do, which is bring in every left back they possibly can, um, specifically trading for the rights to 20-year-old left back Chris Gloucester uh, after acquiring Andrew Gutman, or Gutman from Atlanta. So as you two know New York Red Bull very well, based on past, uh, shall we say, experiences, <laughs> what do you think about this New York Red Bull trade? I threw this in the dock. Um, this really flew under the radar because it broke at the same time as Yunus Musa's announcement to joining the U.S. So we can all imagine what, what grabbed the headlines there. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Gloucester. He was part of that U20 team from 2019 that I talk so often about with Pomacol and Wea and you know, you name it at this point, Mark McKenzie, um, among many, many others. 
I think it would be great for him to be in MLS. He wasn't getting much playing time. He was with, I think it was um, Hanover's second team, and he's currently with, I think, PSV's second team. So he never broke through with either of those first teams. So if he can get minutes in MLS, that'd be great. However, I don't understand with Red Bull signing Andrew Gutman on loan for the season unless, you know, maybe one of them is depth for the other. I don't know. I feel like Gloucester could do well in MLS. Again, this is just for his rights, though. And the fact that it's from NYCFC, I think, means that Red Bulls are invested in getting Gloucester, but there has not been an announcement for his actual transfer or loan to Red Bulls. So possibly something to keep an eye on. But from an American perspective, he needs to get minutes. It's been a while. So hopefully that happens. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot on this, except that the Red Bulls just feel like they get these random transfers and they come back and strike you. So we'll see where this goes. Again, when you get in the whole right thing, and again, they just got Guman from Atlanta. So I have no idea what's going on with them. Um, but yeah, not a whole lot to think about it. Connor, do you have any thoughts on this and everything about this guy? Excited about this move? Confused? Because you mentioned Red Bulls seem to be getting a ton of left back. Uh, I know absolutely nothing about this guy. Uh, it's the first time I've ever heard his name. Um, so starting from a good spot already. Uh, but I think adding depth in this season is going to be crucial no matter what. Uh, and this may be them thinking in the future. Like this may not be a move they want to make immediately. This may be a guy that the, I guess, Red Bull, Red Bull group has their eye on potentially. And I don't know if he's American, but because he wouldn't, if he is American, he wouldn't count against a as an international, and they'd be able to get it to see them in their get to see him in their system. I just said he played for the U twenty team. I've completely zoned out. Um, yes, he's definitely American. Are you playing right. chess, Connor? No, I'm not. I'm currently looking at the bets I have on tonight. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> see how I'm doing with my Minnesota Timberwolves pick over the Phoenix Suns and my. Who'd you pick? Minnesota over Phoenix, uh, and Charlotte over the Not Lakers. Not gonna get that. Not gonna get that either. I you know. Think, oh wow! Why'd you do that? Devin Booker's gonna tear them up. Because the odds were good, and it's actually not that bad. They're only down by five. We need to have um, an episode about making odds for to win MLS Cup because that's <laughs> interesting. Yes, we should. And unfortunately, the app I use doesn't have MLS, which sucks. Uh, but uh, I will come back to the podcast and not be distracted. Anymore. <laughs> um, thank, thank you. Yes, thank you. Okay, Mister Chess. Um, <laughs> I've been playing during this. Okay, I've been playing. Yeah, I've seen you look at your phone. That's uh, that's to watch the breaking news happening on Twitter, which I will add to when we get down further down the document. All right, so I guess we won't hit TFC then, uh, because we're already sixty-seven minutes in. Now we'll have, have time for that. I have to edit a Staff and Graph podcast still, um, or at least part of it. But Red Bulls, you know what? Adding depth if they do bring this kid in, always good. If he's somebody the Red Bull organization wants, great. Uh, that means he could potentially end up in Europe and make New York even more money, even though it doesn't really matter. So, yeah. Uh, should we move on to the next new team? In Absolutely. Terms of, I'm intrigued by this signing. All right. The New England Revolution sign Arner Traustesson, who is Icelandic. 37 caps for the Iceland national team. <laughs> That's 
Okay. And he's a midfielder from Malmo. I don't know why you guys laughed hysterically. I, I'm laughing because Drew did the Viking clap oh. in the background. It works so well on an audio podcast when you guys do video things. Um, it's like an inside joke. Sorry. Like, oh, yeah. And do, you, do you want him to actually clap so we pick it up on the audio? Sure. Do it. Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> We're such losers. Um, <laughs> what do you guys think about this Arger Straustassen? Like I said, I am really intrigued by this because when has there ever been an Icelandic player in the in MLS, first of all? Second of all, the fact that he has 37 caps for their national team is a big deal, in my opinion, because they've done well in European competition over the last few years. Now, it hasn't always been pretty, but I respect how well they fight in those tournaments. It was fun to watch them in the Euros. It's now been five years ago. It was fun to watch them in the Euros five years ago. I was cheering for them in the World Cup back in 2018 because they're such a great underdog story because their country is puny compared to all these other European nations. 300,000 so, people. Yeah, exactly. There's that many people in this county I live in, I think. Um, <laughs> so, And this is a very small area compared to Iceland. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I'm just excited to see him in MLS. I wonder how it translates, um, and I think... If I remember correctly, he's only like 27, 28. So he's like definitely in his athletic prime. So that's really interesting. Um, but also like Bruce Arena is really good about getting these types of players, guys in the prime that he doesn't really have to coach up, but can pick a system that fits his players really well. So I am just really interested in seeing how successful he is. Yeah, I am not as intrigued by this as Josh is. But I just don't know where this guy fits in with New England, right? Because, I mean, I guess he's just going to play fourth fiddle because you have Bo, Heal, and Buxa, and now this guy. And he's a winger, I think. So, I mean, maybe just adds depth to it. Again, we've talked about Buxa and how he's not really living up to his hype. So maybe he can challenge that position. Um, I think, he, yeah, he mainly plays on the left wing, according to Transfer Market. So we'll see where that goes. I I don't know. I'm not as excited about this transfer as josh is it is pretty cool that we have an icelandic player in mls so that is really awesome i don't know his stats with the national team so that's cool though um but yeah i'm not i mean i guess he's just going to provide a lot of depth i'm really big on new england i think they're going to be really good this year and maybe he'll provide some depth for those times where you got to fly from boston to you're playing on boston on a saturday and you got to play on los angeles against the galaxy on a wednesday or something like that and Injuries, heel goes down, Busa goes down, Bo goes down, and he's there. Um, so I think he provides solid depth given injuries, the craziness of Major League Soccer. But I'm not too like big on this transfer. Uh, Connor, what do you think about the revolution? Do you think this guy's going to make a difference for him this year? Again, I don't know anything about him, but as I've said dozens and dozens and dozens of times, just having depth this season is going to be huge. And adding this depth is going to be big for New England and will hopefully help them. Uh, push again to playoffs again, uh, following on their success last year. Uh, but who knows how good he is because it, you look at the Icelandic national team and they do have guys like Finn Bogginson, uh, but they also have their goalkeeper who isn't even a full-time soccer player. He is a documentary filmmaker. So I honestly have no idea how good he's going to be. Is it their manager a dentist or am I actually making that up? He like used to be a dentist. There's, that's the thing about the 
the Icelandic national team. There's like tons of stories like that. Like one guy was like in a rock band. Like one dude was a teacher. Like it's just like a small, it's like a small town feel for an international club, which was why it was so cool that they, I think they made it to the quarterfinals in Euros last time. And then mm-hmm. they nearly got out of their group in the World Cup, but you know, it came close. Yeah. Let's move on to, we'll save our final two clubs for the end and instead talk about, actually, no, we'll talk Atlanta United because we can talk about uh, old man after this. Uh, but Atlanta United, Josh, break down the situation. Yeah. So we've talked about it a little bit, but Atlanta United originally tried to sign Hector David Martinez. I think he's with River Plate or no, he went to River Plate instead. I can't remember which team he was with. Defensa, right? That must be a defensive justicia. Um, Gabriel Hines, they wanted him first. He went to River Plate and Marcelo Gallardo instead. And then, so then it was Lautaro Gianetti, which we talked about. That fell through because his ACL is still messed up from when he tore it a couple years ago. And the club didn't want to sign him. He filled his physical. And then news came through that Atlanta was going to get Alan Franco from Independiente, former teammate of Ezekiel Barco. Um, I've seen his name plenty over the years. So I know he's somewhat of a big deal for Independiente 24 year old center back. And there was a deal that was agreed to. It was a weird deal because Atlanta only paid for half his rights and it was only 2.8 million. And there was like this weird thing where it was going to go up in increments every year or whatever. Well, news broke tonight that instead (laughs) he's going to be joining uh, Sao Paulo and Aaron Crespo instead of Atlanta United because they came in with a better deal. And Independiente needs money now because they owe money to other clubs around the world. And they're in trouble. So it looks like he's lost. Um, uh, Cesar Luis Mirlo from Argentina, he originally broke the news that Independiente stopped the transfer to Atlanta because of the offer from Sao Paulo. He did follow up about half an hour ago saying that Atlanta is already moving on from Franco and is already looking for alternatives. So, you know, they say maybe the third time is a charm. Well, it looks like maybe the fourth time is the charm for Atlanta. I mean, gosh, at this point, at this point, Atlanta would be lucky to get an international center back. Drew, I imagine how you're feeling, but how are you feeling about this falling through again? Are we cursed? Is Atlanta cursed? I'm so tired. I think we are. So I I wrote an article on the website just about Atlanta United center back struggles, and I thought we were done. I thought it was over. Now I find out I have to write, and I didn't do it. No, I'm not going to write anything more because I never want to touch this subject again in my life. Um, but it's so annoying. Like that's I feel like Atlanta's had a crazy offseason. Santiago Sosa, Franco Ibarra. Um, we're getting to see Marcelino Moreno. excited for a full season with him, a full season, a healthy season of Joseph. And it looks like all these pieces are starting to fall into place, except this one of who's going to join Miles Robinson in that other center back position. And that just can't get solved. And it's really annoying. Um, But I did see this might be the breaking news you were talking about. But someone, J. Sam Jones, the man, he writes a newsletter for US MLS. He mentioned Nazareno Colombo. He's an Argentine center back. He plays for Estudiantes. I have no idea if there's any truth to that is it like what's what's that deal josh okay so that's not what i was referring to i was referring to mirlo's report that atlanta has already moved on um now i do think there's some value to sam jones saying that because of toyota football 
who writes for Dirty South Soccer, he is excellent at discussing worth and value when it comes to players and you know front office stuff, front office mumbo jumbo that honestly is kind of hard to keep up with. Um, Title Football had a great newsletter called An Absolute Unit or Absolute Unit, I think it was what it was called. And it basically just goes into the breakdown of assigning value to players and what to do if you're in front office. It's really interesting. If you feel like getting into the weeds with that stuff, I encourage you to check it out. It's it's kind of a little too much for me personally. However, I assume Sam is only mentioning Colombo because title football has mentioned Colombo. And if I'm not mistaken, he mentioned Hector David Martinez months ago long before he was connected to Atlanta. So I'd like to think that Tyoto Football knows what he's talking about and that Sam Jones is bringing up this Colombo guy seemingly out of nowhere might be something. It might not be something. I don't know. At this point, as an Atlanta fan, I'm just not going to get my hopes up. I'm going to pretend that the center back pairing all season is going to be Anton Walks and Miles Robinson. And if we have to win every game five to four, so be it. At least we're going to be entertaining as hell, like San Jose, I guess. But who knows what's going to happen with Atlanta. Like I said, at this point, you know, better to just kind of be apathetic to it. LA Galaxy, they made a bit of a move. Following up on this in the last week, Connor mentioned it. They were rumored to be bringing in Victor Vasquez. That's uh, interesting because Vasquez, like Connor said, doesn't really have knee ligaments anymore. Or at least he was struggling with his knees years ago when he was with Toronto. But they announced his signing. He's joining Greg Vanny. And like Connor said last week, if he can still pass the ball, then you know what? Use him as a super sub. Use him in a pinch every now and then. At the least, great locker room guy can help Vanny settle that team well. So I think it's a smart move. I doubt they're paying him tons of money. Um, And I'm sure he wanted to come back to the States because it seems like players really enjoy playing in the United States. So I'm sure that all had to factor into it. So good signing for the Galaxy, I would say. It's, yeah, probably better than playing in Qatar, where he think he was a part of three different clubs. Um, oh. Yeah, so I don't blame him in wanting to come back, but the way I see the signing, and a lot of TFC fans were kind of upset with this in terms of him going to the Galaxy. They wanted him to come back um, to Toronto. I don't think it really made sense. We would have had to have move up, moved up in the allocation order. We didn't want to do that. That would have cost way too much money. He's too old for the pressing system anyway, I feel like. Yeah. How's he going to run and keep up if that's the way Armas wants to play? It's true, but also I think it was more of the locker room presence he would have brought. Um, because when I look at this transfer, I don't look at him being a huge difference maker on the pitch. I see him being a big difference maker off the pitch, and I see him being a future assistant coach for Vanny. I think that's what this will ultimately end up in. Whenever he's done playing, he'll just join Vanny's staff because I think he does have an interest in managing, and I think he would be a very good manager. He clearly understands the ball uh, and understands how to play different systems, Getting coming up in Barcelona's youth system, playing all over the world. for in like I think he was in the Premier League. He was in uh, Belgium, Mexico, MLS, Qatar. So he's got a ton of experience in terms of playing around the world and different styles of play. And I think he'll be a good fit with LA Galaxy. I think he's going to be somebody they can use and somebody who will be a good link in terms of being able to speak Spanish fluently. Uh, because, you know, you look at 
that team, and there's a lot of Spanish speakers. So I like the signing for LA Galaxy. I understand Toronto FC's fans' frustrations, but I don't think this is a move that you should really get totally worked up about because it's just good that a team is willing to sign him, I think, at this point, willing to bring him in to play for them because he's at the end of his career and injuries have really caught up with him. Like, they've caught up with him in Toronto. So uh, hopefully he works out at the Galaxy. Uh, Drew, I assume you don't have any thoughts on Victor Vasquez and his fit on the LA Galaxy. Uh, Do you? Not a whole lot, except that the article MLS put out seeing that Greg Vanny was dead set on this guy clicking with Chicharito and making something out of that. That was just a recurring thing that he was talking about, which makes sense because Chicharito is a big deal and has not been producing like it. So we'll see where that goes. He talked a lot about Chicharito's making these runs, and Victor Vasquez is going to be able to find that sense that he's going to make that run and put the ball where he needs to. So that's the only thing I took about was Greg Vanny's consistent persistence that Vasquez is going to make this Chicharito thing worthwhile. And if he does, then that is really good because he's old. And if he makes the Chicharito better, we know how good he can be. So if this old guy makes him as good as we think Chicharito can be, then that is more than worth it. We're calling him old. He's only 10 years. He's only like nine years older than Josh. So, you know. That's old for soccer. Yeah, he's 34. For a midfielder, yeah. And someone who's had trouble with his knees. I mean, that's not a great combination, but whatever. <laughs> no, it's, it's neither here nor there. I like the signing for LA Galaxy, I think is what it comes down to. I like the signing for Victor Vasquez, and that's all you can ask for. Uh, but as the former Toronto FC man, uh, we should mention the move the Toronto FC made uh, today and I think yesterday. Uh, they made a couple of signings and re-signings, not being players, instead being... General Manager Ali Curtis signing a multi-year contract extension and president of the Toronto FC and Toronto Argonauts, which is our CFL team. Uh, Bill Manning signed a five-year contract extension. Uh, Okay, I don't really have much opinions on that. Manning's been uh, pretty instrumental in pushing the academy same with ali curtis uh but if they could do this with Masai, that would be really good uh so mlsc if you're listening to this please sign Masai to the same extensions that you signed ali curtis and bill manning to at probably for more money because he deserves frankly more money but do either of you have any opinions on toronto fc's front office moves just a question on a scale from Jacksonville Jaguars to Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where do the Toronto Argonauts fall in the CFL scheme of things? I, they won a great cup in 2010 and I think like 2016. So they're the New York giants. Got it. Well, they've won. Oh, and 2016. The yeah. Giants won a Super Bowl. The Giants won two Super Bowls. Oh, I thought you said Tom Jets. Brady. I thought you said Jets. I was very no, confused. No, no. I was like, <laughs> the Jets. Uh, they've won. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like yeah, the, the Jets have won a game every now and then. No, you know what? This and off even season, then they lost because Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> this offseason, <laughs> they're the New England Patriots because they've made so many signings, it's not even funny. Uh, it's unreal how many players they brought in. But we will see if they play. We'll see if they become a partner of the XFL because that is being rumored that they're currently in talks about that stuff. But... Nobody in terms of the soccer world gives any sort of crap about the CFL. So do either of you have any sort of news we need to drop late on this podcast that you didn't throw in the dock? 
Time for CFL football now. CFL, yeah, CFL football, the Canadian Football League. We've been around longer than the NFL, but nobody cares. Um, so that's not true. It is fully true. The you gotta know the AFL was a thing for a while, though. We we've already had our hundredth Grey Cup, so yeah. Uh, Small club. What? <laughs> well, yes, uh, that's pretty self-explanatory. We take all of your rejects. Uh, that's true cough cough you know I think I think the first ever um, player to get drafted from the college I graduated from which is a a pretty small college they've only had a football program for like four or five years now I think our first ever drafted NFL player he like didn't make the team he was with so he went to Canada makes sense makes sense we get a lot of those kind of players Uh, so you know, fun stuff in the CFL world of things who didn't play a season last year and oh, you know what? went bankrupt. Do you know Justin Sumter? He plays for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I actually recognize that name. He went to, the, he went to my college. He's, he's the player I'm talking about. He was like our best wide receiver. Oh, he's a wide receiver. Okay. Wide receiver, yeah. Maybe that's why I recognize the name, so I'm in a highlight. Uh, yeah, so ta-da. Canadian football, the joys of <laughs> the CFL. Uh, where there was a guy who went to the Super to the Great Cup in the middle of winter in shorts because he said he wouldn't wear pants until the Winnipeg Blue Bombers won the Grey Cup, and he didn't wear pants for 13 years. <laughs> so shout out that guy who finally gets to wear pants again. And do we have anything we want to add to the CFL or to this MLS so. discussion? <laughs> no. All right. Nope. Boys, Drew, just take us out of this mess yeah, of an thank, ending. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening as I look up BC Lion shirts right now to buy one. <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. As always, please visit the website MLSMultiplex.com as our writers continue to crank out really awesome content as I find a 1994 BC Lions Grey Cup Champs shirt. So... After I do that, I will visit MLSMultiplex.com and be sure to follow the website on Twitter at MLSMultiplex. You can follow us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Bolin, and Connor at CWT Somerville. So visit us on social media, visit the website, and as always, please leave reviews on the podcast. We love hearing ways we can get better and always love hearing from you guys. So thanks so much for that. And as always, thanks again for listening, and we will see you all next week to have another good episode wrapping up the crazy world of MLS and U.S. soccer. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.